If you got a Bible, go to 2 Chronicles chapter 20. Yes. And as you're turning there, the title of this message is, This is How I Fight My Battles. How many of y'all got some battles going on in your life right now? Sometimes you don't get to choose the battles. The battles choose you. They show up. And that's the case with this story. So it says in 2 Chronicles 20, verse 1, At this time, after this, the Moabites, the Ammonites, and the Munites came to wage war against Jehoshaphat. So here Jehoshaphat is surrounded by these enemy armies. They've shown up at his front doorstep. For some of you, this is going to happen this week at Thanksgiving. (laughs) In-laws, relatives, drama with some of your family members. You got, let me just say this. The battle you're in is not a people battle. You're not in a battle with your daughter-in-law. You're in, a, you're in a spiritual battle. You're not in a battle with your dad, with your son. You're not in a battle with your mother-in-law. You're in a spiritual battle. If you try to fight against a person, you're going to miss out on the victory God wants to have in your family and to get rid of the strife that's been trying to eat at your family and your marriage and between you and your kids and you and your brothers and sisters. God loves it when brothers and sisters dwell together in unity. The devil hates it. And so he tries to stir up all kinds of battles. So here Jehoshaphat finds himself in a battle. He's surrounded by enemy armies. And then in verse 2, it says, people came to Jehoshaphat to tell him what he already knew. (laughs) They came to say, hey, did you know you're in a battle and you are surrounded by it? Don't you love it when people tell you what you already know? You're like, I got two eyes. I can see. (laughs) I, I can see my problems. They're like, yeah, but you got a lot of problems all around you. And then they said, these problems aren't far away. They're already at En Gedi. They're close at hand. These these enemies aren't hundreds of miles away. They're just a few miles out. They're coming close. They'll be here before you know it. And in verse 3, it says, alarmed. I love this scripture. Alarmed, Jehoshaphat resolved to inquire of the Lord. Have you ever been alarmed before? Just you weren't expecting that. Have you ever found yourself having Thanksgiving in a strange place that you weren't prepared to have Thanksgiving? Have you ever, like that for me in 2009, November 22nd, the week of Thanksgiving, my father passed away. None of us were prepared for it. It was not on our calendar. We, none of us were thinking that would happen. And in those moments where you're alarmed by the battle that you're in, by the situation that you're in, that seems impossible and just painful and depression is staring you down in the face and discouragement is over here and the pressure from people is back here and the stress and the anxiety and the fear about the future, it's all right there. But I love how David said in Psalm 23, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint, God's about to anoint you in the middle Where you look like you're surrounded by enemy armies, God's about to show up in the middle of nowhere. Come on, this is a prophetic word for someone who's in a battle right now. You are not alone in this battle. So here Jehoshaphat is alarmed. He's surprised. He's going, I wasn't planning on having to give thanks to God in a moment where I feel overwhelmed by my enemies. I wasn't planning on having a church service in a time where I'm overwhelmed with stress and worry and fear but I'm gonna seek God in the middle of my alarmness. As I'm alarmed, I'm gonna resolve to seek God and the whole country followed his lead. There's people that are watching you and if you'll seek God, you're gonna draw more people to lean into that direction right there. They all came together from every town, every tribe, and they followed Jehoshaphat to seek the Lord on how to fight this battle. 
Lord, I just pray right now that you would speak to us, that we would leave today with encouragement on our souls. God, that we would know today that you are fighting this battle for us. In Jesus' name, if you agree with that, say amen. Give three people a high five. Say, get ready, get ready, get ready. Say, you look good. You lost weight. You look skinny. You look awesome. <laughs> we got to pump each other up because next week after Thanksgiving, we're going to have to lose all that turkey that we just gained. You're looking good. You're looking good. You can, this week, you can eat some extra food. You're looking good. Have you ever been there before? Have you ever been in a battle that just seemed overwhelming? Yeah, I've been there before. In fact, um, a few weeks ago, I was preaching on how to get a breakthrough. How many of y'all were here for when I preached about how to get a breakthrough? And I broke some bricks in church. What you don't realize is after that weekend, I had a massive purple bruise on my elbow. <laughs> and my wife was asking me, like, after that weekend, she was like, Paul, why did you try to break bricks when you've never broken bricks before? I was like, babe, it's part of the sermon illustration. I was talking to the church. I was trying to teach the church to persist because your persistence brings the breakthrough. And as I was explaining to my wife, God interrupted me. He said, Paul, you left something out. What happens when you persist and it doesn't work? Or what happens if it does work, but you hurt yourself in the process or you hurt your whole family? And I almost titled this sermon, Stop Hurting Yourself, Paul. <laughs> Because after that sermon, I was hurting for the next 10 I had to rest my elbow. My elbow was just in pain. My elbow was like, don't do that to me again, Paul. <laughs> just talking to me. Have you ever hurt yourself trying to fight your own battles? Some of you are hurting your marriage by trying to fight it all by yourself. You're hurting yourself. You're going, I'm going to press through this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to, here comes the boom. And God's going, yeah, that boom is hurting you. And God's going, you forgot the God factor. Because in this story, Jehoshaphat doesn't break the bricks. God breaks the bricks. In this story, Jehoshaphat doesn't persist his way into a breakthrough. He leans into the power of the Holy Spirit. And when you get God involved in your situation, there is no battle you face that is too big for your God to come and say, tag team, you can't handle it, but I was born to break through that thing that's staring you down in your family. Some of you are facing something that's too big for you. And so here's the crazy thing. That weekend, there was a man behind the scenes who was like praying for me. He was like, Paul, stop hurting yourself. He's like, I'm here. I actually break. I know how to break bricks. I've been doing it for a long time. He's the one who set it all up. He's like, I know how to do this. There's a scripture in the Bible um, in 2 Kings where it says, for this, this is an easy thing for the Lord. And for this guy, it's an easy thing to break bricks. <laughs> and so I want to invite him up. Chris Harris, he's an usher at our church. Give it up for Chris. Because some of you are in a battle and you're going, ah, ah, and God's like, stop hurting yourself. And some of you in the room, you go, well, I can handle the pain, but you're hurting other people too. And your family's crying out, why don't you seek God on this? I hear God saying, Paul, there's people that want to help you. There's a team that wants that. You don't have to fight this battle by yourself. You don't have to fight this all. You don't have to fight this discouragement, this depression and isolation. You can invite God into your problem. In fact, in Revelation chapter 3, verse 20, Jesus says, I stand at the door. I'm here. 
All you have to do is open the door and I can help your marriage. I can help you out as a college student. I can help you break that addiction. You've been trying to break that porn addiction all by yourself. I can give you power that you can't get from a counselor. I can give you power that you can't get from alcohol. I can give you peace that you can't get from marijuana. I can give you what you need. You don't have to go to every vice in the world to try to get your victory. It comes from the Lord. And so he said, just tag me. And Chris was like on the second row during that sermon. And he was like, just tag me. You don't have to fight this. And I was like, I got it, Chris. And he's like, okay. And so this week, I'm not going to break this. Chris, some of y'all just need to invite Chris Harris into your life. You just need to invite the God factor. But I think we should. I, I feel like this is too easy for you. I think we should add a few more bricks. Come on, drum. Let's get the drum beat going. Let's see what this guy can do. Are y'all ready to, I'm ready to see this. Come on, when you invite God into your situation, what seems impossible, what seems unbreakable, that thing that you're facing, that thing you've been trying to break all by yourself, God's, we haven't seen this happen yet. We haven't practiced this. Are you ready for this, Chris? All right, here we go. Come on, y'all get your hands together. laughing after that I was struggling I was you don't even look like you broke a sweat was that easy yes just go sit down come on give him a big hand just making it look easy somebody say it's easy for God see what's so stressful for you God saying this could be a tag team situation you don't have to fight this by yourself how I fight my battles is I invite God into my battles I'm gonna stop trying to fight battles all by myself. I want you to get a revelation this weekend to stop fighting all by yourself. So it says in verse five of 2 Chronicles 20, so Jehoshaphat inquired of the Lord. He stood before the people and he said, we will seek God. Let me tell you, number one, when you're in a battle, remember that God is not absent. God is not absent right now in your life. He might be quiet, but he's not absent. Just because you don't hear him doesn't mean he's not right there with you. I was reflecting this past week because it's been 10 years since my dad passed this last week. And a board member on our church, he said, how are you doing? I said, not a day goes by that I don't feel a great cloud of witnesses with my dad up there with two thumbs up, praying and cheering me on. I just sense it in my heart. And what I need to remind myself, what you need to remind yourself is there is a heaven is on its feet not only is god for you there's a whole group of angels and believers and saints you got abraham isaac jacob saint paul and peter and john and you got billy graham up there and oral robert you got so many people that are cheering you on god is not absent in your battle some of you are in a battle right now and you're going god where are you and he's saying i'm here man i'm standing at the door I'm here for you. Joshua chapter one, Joshua found himself by himself when his mentor, who was like a father to him, Moses, died. And here Joshua is facing this promised land that he has a dream for, but he doesn't know if he's got the goods to do it. He's going, I, I don't know. I'm not like Moses. I didn't, I didn't pioneer us through the, the wilderness. That was Moses. 
I, I was his servant. I was there. I was like a son to him. But I don't know if I have what it takes. And watch what God says to Moses, or what, what God says to Joshua. He says, Moses is dead. You need to stop mourning about what didn't work out. That's over. What you need to realize right now is you have a purpose today. Don't live in the past. Learn from the past, but don't live in the past. And you've got to wake up because you have a promised land in front of you. I will give you every place you set your foot. Everywhere you go, the same promise I gave Moses, I'm transferring that promise to you. Your territory is going to extend from here to there. In verse 5, he says this, as I was with Moses, I will be with you, Paul. I will be with you, John. As I was with Billy Joe, I will be with you, Sharon. I will be with you, Iru. I will be with you, Daniel. I will be with you, Sarah. I will be with you, Ruthie. As I was with your predecessor, I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. How many are thankful that God is not absent in your battle right now? Number two, remember this when you're in a battle, God wants to help you. Your revelation of God will determine how you seek God and what you ask from God. Jehoshaphat had an understanding. God is good and God loves me. I want you to say that with me. God is good and God loves me. Now, some of us in the room, we grew up with a theology that some, ta- some days he loves us and some days he doesn't. It's kind of like that, that, you know, old picking the rose petals. She loves me. She loves me not. She loves me. And you've got to get secure that God loves you every day. He loves you on your worst day. He loves you on your, he loves you in the mountaintop. He, he's the God of the hills and the valleys. He loves you even when you've messed up. He says, I still want to help you. I can get you out of the mess you got yourself into. All you got to do is tag team. I'm on the second row. Stop trying to break that brick all by you. Stop hurting yourself. Let me help you. So Jehoshaphat inquired of the help of God. God wants to help you. Psalm 46 verse one says he's an ever present help in time of need. And when you have a revelation that God loves me, he wants to help me. All of a sudden you start opening up and saying, God, I'm ready for you to come in. Number three, God has given you and me everything we need to win this battle. You have what you need. Turn to the person next to say, you got what you need. Some of us are looking at other people and we're going, well, I don't have what they have. I don't have the money they have. I don't have the connections they have. I wasn't born into the family that he was born into. Some of the greatest success stories you see today are from people that had all the odds stacked against them. But what did they understand? They understood on the inside, this is an inside job. You got to recognize that you have the DNA of God inside you. You have the mind of Christ. You have the Holy Spirit. You have the name of God. You have angel armies on your side. You have everything you need to win this battle stop letting the devil make you think you are not enough or that you don't have enough we live in a scarcity mindset right now like our society there's so much scarcity we're afraid that we're gonna run out or that we don't have enough because we're looking at each other on Instagram and Facebook and we're like well they have more than me they're doing more than me and God's going get your eyes off of everyone else's story and start living in the story that I've called you to live you have what you need you are enough I put the goods inside you now you got to invite me into your problem he's given you what you need to win but he's also given you the invitation to invite him into your problems So he's saying, listen, I've given you what you need. And where you come up short, that's where you call on the name of the Lord. So in the Old Testament, they had a revelation of all these names of God because God had shown up in many different ways. And they would chronicle different names for God. Like for some of you in the room, God is your best friend right now in this season. 
because you're lonely. For some of you in the room, he's your heartache healer because you just walked through the pain of a breakup, a divorce, someone left you. For some of you in the room, he is your, he is your stability in your mind because some of you have been experiencing torment. So in the Old Testament, anytime God showed up in a unique way, they gave him a name. So one of the names they gave him was Elohim, the creative, powerful, great God. How many of y'all need some creative power from Elohim? Come on, he's not just a God in heaven, he's a God who gets involved in the details of your life here on earth. Then another name they gave him was Jehovah, the living God, eternally existent. He possesses life itself. Yahweh, the I am God, not the I was, not the I will be, the I am present powerful God. El Shaddai, he's my all sufficiency, he's my protector. Adonai, he's the owner of humanity, he calls me to complete devotion. Jehovah Jireh, my God, shall provide all my needs according to his riches and glory. Jehovah Rapha, the Lord is my healer. The healing in total sense, not just healing of the body, the healing of the mind, the healing of the heart, the healing of your spirit. Jehovah Nisi, the Lord is my banner of victory. Jehovah M. Kadesh, the Lord is my sanctifier. He makes me holy. I don't make me holy. Jehovah Sidkenu, the Lord is my righteousness. I didn't earn my righteousness. He gave it as a gift. Jehovah Rohi, the Lord is my good shepherd. He cares compassionately for me. Jehovah Shammah, the Lord is there for me. Come on, give God praise if you know he's been good to you. You have what you need. You aren't going to die in this battle. You're going to win. You're going to make it. Turn to someone next and say, you're going to make it. Number four, fourth thing you need to remember in a battle is this battle is not permanent. The reason why people quit in a battle is because they think it's a permanent thing. One of my favorite phrases in the Bible is, it came to pass. Man, I circle that. Did you know it is said 396 times in the scriptures? It came to pass. Almost every book of the Bible says it came to pass. I'm like, praise God that Exodus came to pass. Praise God Leviticus came to pass. Praise God that Goliath came to pass. Praise God this battle is coming. It's not coming to stay. It's not coming to be a permanent problem in my life. It's going to pass through. Thank you. Next. Thank you. Next. Some of y'all need to stop thinking this thing's going to last forever. And here's what we got to realize. Because the battle is not permanent, it's only temporary. If you, the, the key for all of us is to outlast our battles. If you can outlast the season, you'll have the victory. If you don't quit, you'll win. If you don't quit, you'll win. That's the, that's the thing Bishop T.D. Jakes told me. I said, what do you think has just led to so many, just he said, you just can't quit. You just got to keep on trusting that God is going to handle these. When you don't know what to do, stop trying to defend yourself to all your coworkers and figure out who's talking bad about you. Trust that God is going to fight this battle for you. This battle is not going to last forever. This battle in your family, this battle with one of your relatives, it is not going to last forever. God's about to make all things new. In some situations, he's about to remove some people from your life. In other situations, he's about to bring you through and he's going to set a table before you in the presence of your enemies. He's going to show his glory in your life, not for your glory, but for his glory. If you believe it, say amen. Here's, here's the thing I've realized about battles is they're, they're like seasons. We're in a season right now. We're in, we're in the season of fall, but fall is going to be leaving soon. No pun intended. The leaves will fall and winter will be here. And here's the thing about seasons. Seasons change things. Battles change things. It either changes you to be bitter or changes you to be better. Some of you have outlasted battles 
but you got bitter in the battle. And so you stopped dreaming big. You stopped thinking about the love of God. You stopped treating people with that childlike faith and kindness. You've lost the Mr. Rogers vibe, the, the just sweetness. Last week we talked about just being kind to people. Some, some, some of you have walked through battles and it's just made you suspicious about everyone or just afraid and God's saying come on we got to get rid of some of that hurt that you've been holding on to this season was supposed to shift some things in your life it was supposed to change I'm a better man because of the battles I've walked through but I've got to continually come before the Lord and say God I know you didn't cause this battle but what do you want to use this battle to bring about in my heart in my life God will use the battle to draw you closer to him. Ecclesiastes 3 verse 1 says there is a time for everything. There's a season for every activity under the heavens. This battle has a season. That means it's going to end at some point. And then he says in verse 4, there's a time to, to weep and there's a time to laugh. Some of you have been weeping for a long time. And I want to prophesy to you today, you're about to laugh again. You're about to laugh again. <laughs> Some of you haven't laughed in a long time. There was a season where I was just so, I was just weeping. I was mourning. I was sad. And I circled that scripture in Psalms. It says, though weeping may last for the night, his joy comes in. This too shall pass. And praise God, it did. I'm laughing again. Some of you are going to start laughing again. You're going to start dancing again. You're going to get your dance back. Come on. When's the last time you danced? You got to get your dance back somebody say this won't last forever and because it won't last forever you got to have a heavenly perspective second corinthians 4 verse 16 paul says therefore we do not lose heart even though we're going through painful situations even though we're facing battles in our health in our families in our marriages in our lives even though this is happening for them this isn't happening for me this is happening like my friends are getting scholarships at college but i'm still paying i'm trying to get through this debt i got so much debt all this stuff he says we do not lose heart in the middle of our battles though outwardly we're wasting away inwardly we're being renewed day by day for our light and circle this right here momentary troubles in other words this won't let this is momentary you know what suicide is suicide is a permanent decision during a momentary battle some of you are making permanent decisions because of a temporary setback. Don't quit something because it's bad right now. It, you're going to get through this. There's light at the end of the... This battle is not going to kill your marriage. This battle is not going to end your relationship with... Some of y'all, you got to hold on to hope in the middle of this. Our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. You might be unemployed right now, but God's getting ready to bring you into your best job yet. You're about to see your best days yet. You might be battling some depression right now, but don't you pull that trigger. Don't you go home and make a permanent decision because of a temporary feeling. This is what we've got to do in the middle of the battle. We've got to get a vision of faith. So Paul says we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen because what is seen is temporary what is unseen is eternal sometimes you got to close your eyes in order to truly see and you've got to envision the victory get a vision of victory in your future get a vision of God showing up in your future some of you in the room we are fixated on negative things we're fixed we're fixated on a negative vision I was talking to a member in our church and she said I initially was going after I graduated from college I was gonna be a news anchor and I got an internship at a very like good channel here in Tulsa 
And she said, I started working there. And she said, I brought a really good story to like the main people and said, I've got a great story for, for us to share on the news today. And she said, they looked at me and they said, nobody cares about the positive stories. We want the, the negative stories. We want the sensational things. That's what gets people attention. She said, after that, I decided to become an attorney because I wanted to go into situations that were negative and get people to get into a positive victory in their life. She said, I started looking at ways to bring help and hope to those in our city that are in negative situations. See, I want to tell you today, you have a choice of what you're going to fix your eyes on. Thankfulness is not about when everything's going your way. Worship is not about when they're playing your favorite song or when you're on the mountaintop. The real test of worship, the real test of thankfulness is can you be thankful in a hard place? Can you worship in the middle of a battle? Can you focus on a positive victory when you're faced with a negative report from the doctor, a negative report from people? And some of us in the room would go, well, why should I do that? Why should I worship when I don't feel like it? Well, you could have an interview with Job in the Bible if you want to. Job says, though he slay me, I will still worship him. And his wife said, why don't you just curse God and die? Why don't you just give in to your negative depression feelings? Now, Job did get a little bitter. And at the end of the book, Job repented. He said, God, I spoke of things that I didn't understand. In the middle of my battle, I didn't know how to manage my emotions. And I, I, I'm sorry, God. And God forgave him. And God said, I want you to pray for the people that spoke bad to you. And when, you, when Job prayed for them, God blessed Job double for the trouble that he had walked through. God's about to turn your battle into a blessing of victory in your life. But you've got to choose to not give into the bitterness the poison of anger, the negative toxic attitude, mad at everyone. You've got to choose to invite God. So here's how I went. You know what? I'm going to shift the title of this message. This is not how I fight my battles. This is how I win my battles. I don't want to just be a fighter all my life. I want to be a winner. Uh, come on. God has made us more than conquerors. This is how I win my battles. Number one, humility. Go to God first. Notice that the first thing Jehoshaphat does is not try to break through the bricks. The first thing he does is he goes right here into the closet with God. And he begins to pray. And he says, oh God, the greatest thing you can do in a battle is humble yourself before the Lord. Humility is the key to victory. Humility produces victory. That's a good word right there. You cannot win a victory with pride. You cannot win a victory with a DIY mindset. DIY is like a big deal right now in our culture, do it yourself. So we got all these Pinterest projects that people are like copying from each other, do it yourself. And some of us are going, well, I can do it all by myself. I'm a self-made millionaire. I'm a self-made success story. I'm a self-made, nobody taught me. And, and the problem is you're hurting yourself while you're trying to be a self-made whatever. And you go, well, I'm not hurting myself. You're hurting other people. If you will invite God, and get rid of that pride and say, God, I don't want to be a self-made man. I want to be a God-made man. I want to be a, I don't want to be a self-made dad. I want to be a God-made. I don't want to be a self-made mom. I want to be a God. I want to be a mom that leans on the grace of God. I want to be a dad that I want to be a, a college student. I want to be a man who pursues God, who knows I can't do it without God. I'm toast. But if I get God involved in this, I'm going to see a victory over this addiction, over this discouragement. And first Peter chapter five, verse six says, humble yourself before the Lord. So when you come under, 
God. God helps you to get over the problem that he, that's coming against you. When you humble yourself before God's mighty hand, he will lift you up in due time and cast your cares upon the Lord. The only way you're going to win this battle is if you will cast your cares upon God. Here's what happens with most of us. We cast our cares the way that we cast our fishing line. We throw it out there and then we just reel it right back in. I'll take that care back. We throw it out there. Here you go, God. Oh, it's stressing me out again. I got to get that back. I'm panicking about that. And you just need to take the whole fishing rod and just throw it into the lake. You need to stop holding on to those things that are weighing you down. What can you add to your life by worrying? What can we add to our life by stressing? I, I, I get stressed sometimes and God's like, why are you stressed? Why are you stressed? You're mean when you're stressed. <laughs> you're, you're tightly, when you're stressed, you're just, a, you're tight. You're stiff-necked. You need to get free from your turtleneck. <laughs> I like the turtleneck. But here's the point here. You need to humble yourself. You need to get God involved. Go to God first. Before you send the email, before you text, before you go off on a storm with your phone, before you send that tweet, before you post that, before you yell at your spouse, before you go into Thanksgiving, go to God and say, God, I'm having some tension with this family member. She's trying to control. He's trying to do this. They're talking bad about me and I'm just stressed. And God's like, calm down. I got you. Invite God to the dinner table this Thanksgiving. Invite God into your house. Just say, Lord, I need your presence. And he's like, tag team, I'm ready to help you. Number two, rehearse God's faithfulness. How do I win my battles? I don't rehearse my victories. I rehearse God's victories. I rehearse what God has done for me. What has, and don't just rehearse it mentally, rehearse it verbally. Get it out there. There's something powerful about speaking it out. God, you've been so good. Come on, take a 10 second praise break this week, right here, right now. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. You've been faithful through the valleys, through the darkness, through the fire. You showed up, God. You've been so good. This is what Jehoshaphat does. He starts rehearsing God. Watch what he says in his prayer. He says, Lord, the God of our ancestors, are you not the God who is in heaven? You created the cosmos. You put Mars over there, Neptune over there, Jupiter over there, Earth right here. You put the Redwood Forest here, the Pacific Ocean there, the Atlantic Ocean there, Israel right here, America over there. God, you created all of this. And this thing that I'm facing is such a small, it's an easy thing for you to do. You created the sun, the moon, the stars, and you parted the Red Sea for Moses. Power and might are in your hand. No one can stop you, God. Our God, did you not drive out the inhabitants for Joshua when he was facing Jericho before the people of Israel? And did you not give this land to the descendants of Abraham, your friend? They have lived in it, and we've built a sanctuary for you. It was we, we called this place a temple where your glory may dwell. And when we've gone through the bad times, we've always come into your temple. We've stood when no one else wants to stand. Jehoshaphat was reminding God. He was saying, God, you've been good. And even on our bad days, even when we've missed it, when we've sinned, we've come back to you. 
and we've stood and we've repented. There's something powerful about repentance. There's something powerful about saying, Lord, I'm sorry where I missed it. I need your help in this situation. Never underestimate the power of just a good altar call. Going down and saying, Lord, there's something powerful when a man just comes down to an altar in humility and says, God, I thank you, Lord, for your forgiveness, for your faithfulness, for your grace. There's something powerful when an adult walks in front of her kids and says, we're going down to the altar. We're going to invite God into our family this week. We're going to get Jesus involved in our finances right now. We're going to get God involved in our marriage right now. We're going to stop trying to break these bricks all by ourselves. We need the Holy Spirit. You know what we did this last week as a church? We're getting ready to build a for the future building for the Bible college, the youth group, the kids. We put the word of God in the foundation this week. We actually put Bibles. That's my mom. We put Bibles in our foundation. We want the word of God in. The, this is what we're doing. We're rehearsing. We're saying, Lord, you're good and your mercy endures forever. You've been faithful. You've been good. What you did for daddy and mommy and grand grand and what you did for papa and what you did for Gigi and what you did for my ancestors. You're going to do it for my kids and my kids. kids. When you start rehearsing the faith, when you get the generational concept of what God has done hundreds of years before you showed up, all of a sudden you get confidence that this is not his first rodeo. He can handle what you're facing right now. You are not alone and he is not surprised. He says, I got you, son. I got you, Polly. I got you, Johnny. I'm with you in the crack that you're going. I'm going to pull you through this. I'm going to break those bricks for you. presence of God is so strong in this place right now. I don't worship God because life is always going perfect. I don't give thanks to God just because things are going my way. There's some, you know, we celebrate. Did you know the angels don't have a choice? They have to worship God. The angels are amazed when they look at humans who have a choice and they still choose to worship in the midst. They look at Job. They look at Peter in the middle of a trial. They look at people who are in problems. And when they see you choosing to give thanks in a hard place, in a strange place, when they see you choosing to worship, when you're surrounded by enemy armies, they go, oh my goodness, that's incredible. Like the angels are amazed at how you worship. And you know, I was thinking about this. I was thinking about how when we worship, when we give thanks, when we rehearse God's faithfulness, not only does it build our confidence in God, God goes, thank you for noticing that. Because there's a lot of people who miss it. As, as a parent, I'm so thankful when my kids notice that I did something for them. I'm so thankful when they say thank you to their mom who does so much for them. There's something about when you say thanks to God that he goes, Oh man, that feels good. I'm gonna help. I I was gonna help you, but I'm gonna help you even because the man who returned to give thanks out of the 10 lepers who got healed, he got more than what the others got. His gratitude, gratitude shifts the atmosphere. When you, you know, we celebrate testimonies when people get a breakthrough, and it's awesome. Like we celebrate people who see breakthrough in their finances. But I wanna turn the tables there. I wanna celebrate the people in the room 
who are still at church who haven't seen their breakthrough yet because you're a test. Would you stand up if you're still standing, even though you're in a battle right now that hasn't turned around? You're the testimony I want to highlight today in the back row over there in section C, over here on the set. You're still here. You may not be on a video yet, but it's coming, my friend. You inspire me. The fact that you're still here, you're still worshiping, you're still giving, you haven't compromised, you're still standing. Give a hand to those that are still standing, even though they haven't seen the victory yet. It's coming, it's coming, it's in beta, it's being formed. And though the weapon might be formed against you, it shall not prosper. (sighs) Number three, number three. Listen and believe to the report of the Lord. Listen and believe the report of the Lord. So after Jehoshaphat prays, at the end of his prayer, he says, oh God, I don't know what to do but my eyes are on you. That's a good place to be. Best, best place for your eyes to be in the middle of a battle is not on your armies, not on your enemies, not on your abilities, not on yourself, but on God. I don't know what to do, but my eyes are on you. This is beyond me. It's outside of my control. So Lord, I'm looking to you. And it says all the men followed him, all the wives, all the children, they followed Jehoshaphat's lead. And then the spirit of the Lord. Hey, I tell you what, when a bold man takes a stand, the spines of others are stiffened and they stand too. We're living in a day and age where people are compromising based on the pressure that's coming from society saying, you shouldn't give here. You shouldn't support that. They're radical Christians. They believe the whole Bible. I'm I'm telling you, God loves it when a Daniel, a Shadrach, a Meshach, and Abednego, a Jehoshaphat says, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Whether we're in the feast or we're in the famine, whether it's Friendsgiving or all our friends left us, whether we're here or we're down here, whether I make my bed here, I know we're going to keep on worshiping God. And in that moment, they stepped back and they waited for God to speak. You got to wait for God. He's going to speak to you. He's going to speak. He's speaking right now. And all of a sudden, a prophet inspired by the Holy Spirit began to speak and said, listen, King Jehoshaphat, verse 15, all who live here, this is what the Lord says to you. Do not be afraid. Turn to someone next to you. Don't be scared. Don't be scared. Don't be discouraged. There's a spirit of discouragement trying to come against the church right now. There's a spirit of discouragement trying to come against families right now, trying to come against teenagers, trying to come against young adults. There's this spirit of discouragement. And can I just tell you, the scoreboard says you're winning. Don't let the enemy talk yet. Like you're winning, man. You're doing good. You're doing all right. You're doing better than you think you are. And heaven is on their feet. They're cheering you on. You're not going to lose this battle. Don't make a permanent decision during a temporary battle. And he says this. Don't be afraid, my friends. Don't be discouraged. I know that you're outnumbered by men. You're outnumbered by the armies here but you are not outnumbered by the armies in heaven. You are not outnumbered by your father in heaven who's cheering you on. And this battle does not belong to you. The battle belongs to the Lord. I'm almost done. I'm going to hit it right here. But he says this. So you got to believe it. You got to believe. You got to listen to it. You got to believe it. Is your heart fertile to receive the word of God? God's dropping seeds and he's looking for soil that's not shallow, soil that's not rocky, soil that's not thorny. He's looking for some deep soil that can handle a prophetic word from God and say, that's for me. I'm going to, like Mary said, be it unto me according to your word. Zachariah said, I don't know how this can happen, but Mary said, I know it can happen. If God is in it, there is no limits. It's not over. It's not ending. It's only the beginning. Jehoshaphat was receiving the word of God. Everybody say receive it. You got to get the word of God. This battle belongs to God. But here's the fourth point right here. You've got to partner with God 
through your seed of obedience. The, the battle belongs to the Lord, but the Lord still expects you to partner with him. So watch what the prophet tells Jehoshaphat. Yes, the battle belongs to the Lord. And we get excited about that. We're like, yeah, woo, yes, God's going to do it. And then he says, but you must march out against the enemy tomorrow. You must take a step towards the thing that you're believing for. You're going to have to go towards those armies that are bigger than you, stronger than you. You will find them climbing through the cracks. They're going to come from all angles towards you. And when you get out in the desert, when you're in the middle of nowhere, God's about to show up in the middle of the desert. He's about to show up in the middle of Tulsa. He's about to show up in the middle of nowhere. And you will not have to fight this battle, but you will have to take your position. You're going to have to show up. You're going to have to partner with God. This is a motion activated miracle. God is going to fight it, but he expects you to partner with him. When Jesus spoke to Peter, Peter was out on a boat. He'd been fishing all night, hadn't caught nothing. Jesus said, Peter, throw your nets to the other side. He said, we've already tried that side. We've tried all these sides. None of it's working. Jesus said, trust me in this. When Peter obeyed God, when you partner with God, it's obedience. He obeyed God. He caught the largest catch of fish he's ever caught. Now here's another story. A little boy with five loaves, two fish. He's with a group of all these people. And it's friends giving. And they need Cain's chicken. <laughs> or they, they need a fish store. They need bonefish grill. They need something. They need red lobster. They need some cheesy bread and some fish. And so here this little boy, he has what he needs for himself but he realizes if he keeps it to himself he could be robbing himself of the basketfuls that God wants to bring into his life the little boy ends up walking away with basketfuls of leftovers for his family for his like they're going to be fed for the next several months but he has to partner with Jesus and when he does the whole group is fed there's something powerful when we obey God take him at his word and we say God I know you're going to fight this battle but I'm going to sow my seed of obedience I can't tell you how many business people in this church have seen God show up coach JC shared his testimony last week God has given them debt freedom as of just this past week because they made a decision to start sowing their finances into the kingdom of God. And when you give yesterday at the Tulsa Dream Center, AJ, how many people were fed? 720 people. I got to feed them out there. I was sitting with my friend. She's, she lives in the shelter downtown. Her name's Lucy. And Lucy came up to me. She said, thank you. Thank you, Victory. You guys, oh, thank you, Dream Center. Thank you for giving. You're feeding so many people. We're getting ready to launch a Victory North Campus. When we give to God, he multiplies it. Jehoshaphat obeyed what was told to him. He accepted the word, he acted on it. And they said, you will not have to fight this battle. Go out and face them. If you will go march towards them, God will show up. So the next morning they did. And Jehoshaphat told his men, he said, we're gonna worship God. We're gonna, we're gonna march towards the enemy. And as they went, God set ambushes across the enemy armies as they begin to sing. My last point in this sermon right here is worship is your greatest secret weapon. Worship is your secret weapon. As we worship God with our tithes, with our offerings, with our voices, as we begin to sing, there's going to be a shift in the atmosphere. There's going to be a break. Worship my weapon is a melody. My praise and worship is a highway for the Lord to come through and begin to take out the enemy armies of discouragement, depression, fear, anxiety, lack, scarcity. God's about to show up in your life.
they woke up that morning and they began to sing. They began to give thanks to the Lord. They said, give thanks to God. His love endures forever. They worshiped even before they saw the victory. Their worship was paving the way. My melody is a weapon against the enemy. My praise and worship paves a highway for the Lord to come through and fight the battles. As they begin to sing, as they begin to praise, verse 22, the Lord set ambushes against their enemies. And so all who were coming against them defeated each other. So when the Israelites showed up in the place that overlooks the desert, they looked towards a vast army and they saw only dead bodies lying on the ground. No one escaped. And Jehoshaphat and his men went in and they took plunder. They left with more than they came with. They ended up with a greater blessing after the battle. God's about to bless you in the battle. God's about to bless you. The battle that was supposed to rob you is actually about to bless you. The battle that was supposed to take from you is actually about to set you up for abundance in Jesus' name. And I feel the Holy Spirit here right now. As you're standing in this place right now, we're going to come into just a time in the next few minutes to worship. 
And if you're in a battle right now, I want you to just leave your seat. Come down to this altar. Take a step of faith. If you're in a battle right now, maybe it's in your family. Maybe it's in your health. Maybe you received a report that just scared you. Or maybe you've just been battling discouragement. You've been going through something that's just been weighing you down. It's been eating at your ability to be happy. Ability to just trust in God. Maybe there's been a battle going on between you and your dad, you and your son, you and your wife. But today, I want to encourage you to seek God. If you will invite God into your battle, you don't have to fight this by yourself. You don't have to do this by yourself. You don't have to try to figure it all out with your own logic. The Bible says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. Acknowledge him in all your ways and he will direct your paths. We're going to worship God right now. This is how I win my battles. It's when I lift my eyes, lift my hands, lift my heart to God. Go ahead and sing that song. This is how I fight my battles. This is how I win my battles.
He loves you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. God is a father who doesn't walk out on you. He's a friend when you don't have any other friends to go to. He can do for you what no other drug or drink or relationship can do for you. And he's with you today. And he's going to help you today. And he's going to give you the victory in Jesus' name. Do you believe that, church? He's going to give you a victory. in this room that's in a battle with every heads bowed and every eye closed if you're here today and you just need to let Jesus be Lord of your life you need to surrender your heart to Jesus just lift your hand up today's a day of new beginnings yes sir all the way in the back yes sir yes ma'am in the front in the back over on the side you're saying I need to get right with God I want to let him be Lord of my life hands going up all over the room come on the angels are going wild today because one person but today there's more than one there's several today saying I'm ready just pray this with me all over this room. Say, Jesus, I surrender to you. I'm all yours. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. You rose from the grave. You won the victory so I can win my battles. Lord, I thank you for your salvation. I repent of sin and I receive your forgiveness. I invite you into my heart into my life have your way i don't want to fight by myself i need your holy spirit so lord i'm counting on you i'm trusting in you and i'm giving thanks to you even before i see the victory 
in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. I love you, Victory. God bless you.